Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Dizcast. I am your host, Mark Silverman. <laughs> Sunday, October 4th, 2009, and this is show number 16 of the Discast. As always, I am your host, Mark Silverman. Coming up on this week's show, Kyle and I bring you our first major interview. But before we get to that, we have some contact information. You can find us on the web at sylvies.com forward slash podcast. Email me at mark at sylvies.com. Join our Discast forums at sylvies.com forward slash podcast forward slash forums. Or follow the Discast on Twitter at Discast. Now, on with the show. As many of you know, Kyle and I have had the honor to interview Kat Cressida, better known as the voice of the Haunt Imagined Bride in the attic scene. This being our first major interview on the show, there may or may not be some audio problems. Please note that in the future, we will try to have it fixed. Thank you, and enjoy the interview. Now in the discast, we are joined by Kat Cressida, better known as the voice of the Haunted Mansion Bride in the attic scene. Kat, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And I'm also joined by my co-host, Kyle. Kyle? Hello, and Kat, I just want to thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And so do I, as this is just amazing, this interview for me, and I'm sure for Kyle as well. Well, thank you. That's really sweet of you guys. So, when did you first start voice acting, or just acting in general? Well, uh, <laughs> if you were to ask my my parents, they would tell you that I was acting out and acting from the age of one, but... Um, I remember kind of getting excited and interested in it somewhere around the age of four or five. It was probably when I started putting on little performances around the neighborhood and post-charging people 10 cents to see me do Pinocchio. <laughs> and uh, we had pictures to prove it, apparently. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, you know, on the more serious side, obviously I did it through high school and um, went to a very good high school for performing arts and then... Uh, went to college and pursued it there along with a more practical major and then um, 25 decided that I would um, at least make the decision to to try and was happy to fail trying but at least wanted to give it a shot that way when I was you know 40 or 50 couldn't look back and say wow I never gave it the chance at least and um, and then kind of interestingly, I think I was just so happy to get out of jail in a certain sense <laughs> that I ended up doing pretty well at, on camera. I did a lot of sitcoms and one hours and soap operas and that sort of thing. And then um, was gonna, I, I kind of gotten felt like I'd done as much as I wanted to do with on camera. It just, it didn't have the allure or the excitement for me personally that I thought it would have. And then someone suggested voiceover. So, Kat, how is it that you came to be the voice of the Haunted Mansion Bride? Uh, a lot of good fortune, I would say. I, um, I mean, it's kind of weird and incredible to think about it, too, for myself, since it was one of my favorite attractions, you know, like 30 million other Disney fans. So I was fortunate enough to have worked for the casting director before, a really talented um, casting director by the name of Brian Nevsky who does a lot for theme park productions out of uh, WGI in Burbank. 
and um, and he called me in, and they wouldn't tell me what it was for, but they said it was for an, an I think they said something it was for an already existing attraction. They wanted to keep it in the same spirit of classic Disneyland attractions, but they were adding something, you know, additional to it. So that's all I was told, and I was just given the lines. But I didn't really know what the context was other than it's for some classic Disney attraction. When they gave you the call, did or when they get called you to say, hey, you know, we have something for you, did it come as any surprise? Yes. I mean, the answer, short answer is yes. I was kind of on pins and needles for a couple of months before... The call came in, and when the call came in, I mean, I literally did that stereotypical. I think I screamed like someone just told me I won the lottery, <laughs> and probably almost dropped the phone too. I mean, it was really hard to believe that that was going to happen. And then, even all the way up until the recording session and past it, I still probably didn't quite believe it was going to happen until until I uh, heard it and saw it. And it's such an amazing piece of technology, the bride. I'm, I'm so I've seen it, I haven't seen it at Disneyland, but I've seen it at Walt Disney World, and I'm just so amazed every time I see it. Um, what kind of feeling do you get knowing that your voice is permanently inside a classic Disney attraction? You know, it is the most, I mean, authentically, I know there's answers I should probably give. I mean, first of all, yay, it's incredible, it's amazing to, to kind of know that, <laughs> but realistically, honestly, I was just... I, I was just saying this to the show director because I was boning up on a few sort of pieces of trivia just in case, you know, that came up. And it's not like, oh, there I am. It's more like, wow, this is a really cool, you know, installation. This is a really cool set. And I'm more just caught up in the show. I think I'm recognizable. I don't think the voice is completely different from me, but yet there's so much more to it that I'm not going through the attraction going, hey, there's me. So... <laughs> So it's always a bit surreal, and sometimes I forget. I mean, sometimes people ask me, you know, what does it feel like to be a piece of Disney history? And first of all, that's not really accurate because <laughs> I wasn't around in 1969, and, you know, I'm, I'm a very, not me, The Bride is a very recent addition to the classic, historical, fantastic attraction. So. Now, as Disney being a such a major part in your career, did you have any early Disney influences? you know, with your family or just when, in general? Well, actually, <laughs> there's a whole interview that was done um, three years ago on that incredible website, Doom Buggy. Do you know that website? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that question gets answered in depth on, on that one, so I don't want to bore listeners with the exact same history. But yes, <laughs> there were all kinds of influences growing up, particularly for the Haunted Mansion. Um, because my father had worked with the Imagineers. He was heavily involved with marketing and with the park back in the late 60s. So he knew some of the people who were who created it and had uh, told that to me when I was a, a kid back in the mid-70s. He would tell me that while we were standing online in the Haunted Mansion. So there was a lot of influences there. And, um, you know, I mean, like any kid in America, I, I think he'd be hard-pressed to find any kid in <laughs> anybody in my generation who says that they grew up in America and weren't affected by Disney, but yes, is very positively affected by it. Go to DuneBuggies.com. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, who runs that site, did an incredible job with that ghost story that, that we told that apparently crashed the site several times on the Halloween that it launched because they were doing like a <laughs> podcast download thing. Yeah. Where you could get it for free from like midnight to 3 a.m. on Halloween of that one 
year that it launched and it kept crashing the site. Yeah, I remember downloading that a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's cool, right? It's, it's an amazing story, yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Not only your voice, but the, all the um, effects that they added in, in the back of it was really amazing. <laughs> yeah, the production of it. Yeah. I'm very lucky. The writer of it was really talented and very Edgar Allan Poe, very gothic. Yeah. Being that this recording, you know, came as an amazement to you, how did you prepare for this role as the Haunted Mansion Bride? <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. I just want to get so many sarcastic, stupid answers. You know, <laughs> truthfully, I mean, you know, no, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll be good. Um, there, there really wasn't. I mean, I did, I think more truthfully than anything, I had to get out of, I, I just had to keep calm. Because once I knew what it was for, um, first of all, I wanted to, I wanted it to be as worthy as possible. You know, if you're lucky enough, if you're blessed enough to get a shot like that, you don't want to let everybody who's believed in you to get you into that room down. So you got to keep yourself calm. And because I was just so jazzed and excited from adrenaline, and I, I did a lot of surfing the web, just mm-hmm. looking up anything that I could sort of on the classic mansion and kind of wanting it to be in my subconscious while I did this mostly because I, I wanted whatever came out to feel like it really felt like it was part of the mansion so I think mm-hmm. I wanted to steep myself in that feeling as much as possible going in and then it was over way too fast you know we did several takes of the lines and I probably would would have been happy staying there for eight hours on my feet doing it but <laughs> the show directors really knew what they wanted and the voice director knew what they wanted and uh, they guided and gave them what they wanted. And I know that you were the character of Dee Dee also on uh, Dexter. Yeah, two characters that probably shouldn't be mentioned in the same sentence. That's what I say. That's polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. Is it different than, you know, standing in front of a microphone doing a few takes for The Haunted Mansion Bride than doing, playing an actual character on, you know, an animated character, but playing an actual character on TV? Um, God. Um, how is it well, I don't know if it's very much different. I, it's a good question. I I mean, Dee Dee in particular was a little bit of a specialized case from so many of the other characters that I've done over the years. Um, I mean, Dee, Dee, Dee Dee was at the very start of my voiceover career, so probably there was a different feelings and emotions and thoughts in that one. Um, I have since learned, you know, since, since then, all directors are different and all show creators are different, and some of them give you more control and some give you very specific guidance as to what they're looking for. It was, a, you know, a different experience that way. And so obviously that the High Mansion is one of your favorite attractions. Um, is there any other attraction that uh, you would want to see yourself in, uh, very similar to what you are in in the High Mansion? Well, I mean, what Disney fan would say, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure every... I'll be very diplomatic and say I'm sure anybody who's a voice talent and a big fan of the park would love to be a part of those, part of the attractions as much as is viable and as much as is appropriate. Sort of a non-answer answer, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm one of I'm a purist, you know. Yeah. Uh, not to use ridiculous language, but I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, when they said that they were closing down the... I mean, this is before I knew what I was reading for, but when I knew that they were closing a part of the mansion and we doing it, I was like, oh, really? You know, so... Um, so karmically, I didn't really deserve to, you know, be a part of it, because I was like, no, don't touch it. It's perfect the way it is. <laughs> um, but, 
you know, if you're going by the philosophy that Walt has, which is that you need to stay current with the technologies and always hmm. keep it fresh and not let things get outdated or, you know, too outdated or too stale or whatever, and the is great, but you also have to keep it relevant to the new generation, then it makes a lot of sense. On the other hand, if, if and these people really know what they're doing, you know, the Imagineers are very aware of the traditions far more than I am, so if they feel that it's appropriate and relevant, I would love to be a part of whatever is appropriate to be a part of, because I really love the place. I love the park, so... <laughs> and have you done any other voice work for Disney? Yes. I'm I'm the voice of the little girl lost on the Tower of Terror in Los Angeles, in the Anaheim version of it. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a famous Twilight Zone episode. It's, uh, I mean, they're all so funny now when you look back on them, but, you know, 50s and science, hilarious. But there's one episode where the guy like pulls chalk out of his he's like a professor and the little girl's gotten lost in the fourth dimension and he draws that sort of weird chalk configuration to show how you enter the portal for the fourth dimension remember that yeah you're too young i have no idea how you are but i'm not even that old but i remember seeing these reruns when i was homesick from from school on the attraction you walk by this wall and you see that configuration drawn from the classic twilight zone episode and if you kind of stand by the wall for a little bit you hear this little girl crying out and asking where her mommy is and how did she get home um, oh and epcot we just did something this past year which was really cool um they've got something called the character spot Oh yes, yes. Where you can take pictures with the characters, and I get, they just they just built it out far more, and now there's an installation while you're waiting um, online to take your pictures with the classic characters, and there's a video playing, and I'm the narrator of that video, which is all about you know Mickey and Goofy and Donald and all of that. And what else? I think that's it for the parks, and then. And witches. People can IMDB for the other credits, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, hate actors who just go on and on and on about what they've done. Recently, the Tinkerbell movie, which was a real honor to be a part of, and mm-hmm. um, do a lot that has to do with the Toy Story 2 franchise. I have a few listener questions sent in. Um, from Pat, one of the questions asked were, uh, what was the motivation for the bride killing her husband? Well, I think, um, tr- I mean, truthfully, the Imagineers, um, they don't ever tell too much. You know, if you notice, you're, you're sort of presented with beautiful, you know, gorgeous scenarios, but you're not told why or you're not told the backstory. They're clues, and it's intriguing, but you get to put the pieces together yourself. And so that, that happens to be the truth of it. They, they purposefully want to leave it a bit mysterious and open. So that as people are going through the rides, they're building their own stories. I think why they're so successful, I think if they were too literal, then only a certain group of people would be as enthralled and enchanted with it. Whereas if you leave it open to the imagination and you just have hints and bits and pieces and, you know, an open storyline, you know, in a certain sense, you get to make it, you get to create the story that you want. And I think in a certain sense, all the characters in the mansion are like that. There is no specific answer because it's open to the interpretation <laughs> of the audience. Well, coming from a diehard mansion fan that I am, I think it's from how I see it, I think each ghost has their own story and yeah. it kind of blends in with the mansion itself. 
That's how I see it personally. I think I think the neat thing about the bride is that there's a twist. There, there's a twist certainly on the role of the female. You know, the the bride that there, there always was a bride in the attic, and of course, diehard fans would know that. And right. um, she was she had more of a passive role. She was sort of the victim, if you will, sort of pining away and waiting for her. You know, waiting for her groom. We can suppose because she's dressed in her wedding gown with her flowers. One would make that guess that she had sort of been left at the altar or something like that. And then they, you know, replaced it with a bride who has a more active role in her fate, so to speak. So in a way, it was sort of taking something that had already already been part of the classic mansion, but bringing it a little bit more into contemporary um, viewing, contemporary point of view, which is kind of neat. And, of course, tying it into the classic mythology of the mansion because, of course, Constance is the woman that we see in the stretching gallery. Yeah, and I did not know that until um, I was actually at the re- uh, opening at the Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World. And one of the Imagineers actually pointed that out to me, and I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, isn't that neat? And there's so, actually a, yeah. a portrait of Constance in the attic holding the rose in her teeth in the exact same pose. Oh, wow. I mean, it's literally with her hand sort of doing that interesting thing and exact same pose, only maybe 40 years earlier. <laughs> and uh, George, of course, George, who you see pictured in the um, stretching <laughs> gallery with the lovely axe in his head, <laughs> um, is, of course, George Gracie. And that's, uh, you know, George Gracie of Gracie Mansion, or Gracie Manor. So that's, that's how Constance came to be a part of the mansion, where she married George. That was her last husband. Mm-hmm. We can assume the one she was the most fond of because after after his demise, she lived peaceably without any more uh, <laughs> incidents and any more marriages in the mansion. On a completely different topic other than the mansion, but still related to Disney, uh, what were your thoughts on the recent D23 Expo? Um, I think it's... I think anything that Disney does to open up more opportunities or more information and availability of information to the fans is terrific. And from what I understand, it was incredibly well done and organized and very classy and upscale. So I, I I mean, I was there for literally, I think, 1.5 hours. (laughs) I was, I ran in to be for a, you know, a panel on the Friday, I think it was, you know, a pass thrown around my neck and then was there for another hour and got got to go into the really cool archives that had been created with the costumes, you know, Jack Sparrow's costume, Mm -hmm. the book from Sleeping Beauty. And that was amazing. Just incredible. But that was Probably all about all I saw of the actual exhibit. Oh no, I did see the castle being built with the canned goods. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, the charity thing. So, um, but from what I hear, I mean, people seem to love it, and of course, it sounds like it, it was amazing with with the guests that sort of were sh- surprised on everybody. So, well, I would like to thank you for joining us, and I'd thank you for your time and taking the time to answer our questions. Sure. And Kyle, any last words? Um, I just want to say it was a great uh, pleasure to speak with you, uh, Kat. I'm a big fan of the Haunted Mansion, and I think it's absolutely wonderful that the uh, the voice you did for the mansion itself was just incredible. So uh, I, I very much thank you for your time, and thank you for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's going to do it this week on the Discast. My huge thanks once again to Kat Cressida for joining us this week. And some big changes to come in the next few weeks here on the show. So tune in to hear that. Thanks for joining us this week on the Discast. Be sure to join us next week. 
And until then, have a great week.